standing for the reading of our of the scriptures today. Our epistle lesson today is taken from Colossians chapter 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And this is the word of the Lord. Then our gospel lesson is taken from the 18th chapter of St. John's Gospel. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separated from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them, that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that we are gathered here today in this place to celebrate your victory over death. We are so grateful that we serve a risen Savior. We are so grateful that he is in our world today working among us. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you that you have spoken your life into our hearts and you have caused us to be risen indeed. So Lord, today we confess that Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. But we also confess the reality of what Christ has done in our life. Thank you for this gift. 
Thank you for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of life that we have today in you. I pray for those who are gathered here today. If any are here today who need to hear this message so that they too can experience the life that you freely offer, I pray that your word would penetrate hearts, that you would cause us to repent and to trust in you, that you would cause us to look to you as the only source of life, true life, divine life in this world. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Jesus, he went to the cross and he rose from the dead to give you life. And today you have life. The tradition within a lot of our churches is to say he is risen. And he is risen indeed. But not only is he risen, you also are raised from death to life because of what Jesus has done. Jesus says in John 10.10, I have come that they may have life. That they may have life and have it to the full or to have it abundantly. In the original language in which the New Testament was written, three words in Greek are used for life. One term used in Greek for life has to do with physical life. Another term has to do with the life of the soul, but there's a third word in Greek, and that word is zoe. You probably have known a girl named Zoe in the past. That literally means life. But that is divine life. That is the life that comes from God. That is God's life. That is eternal life. And today, because of what Jesus did upon the cross, and because of his victory over the grave, you have Zoe. You have the life of God. You have the life of Christ dwelling within you. Without God, we don't have this life in Jesus. We don't have this Zoe. Sin has caused us to lose this, this life, the this Zoe, the life of God. The Bible says that we are dead in trespasses and sins. Dead in trespasses and sins. Dead, even though our physical bodies are functioning. That is spiritual death. No life of God within us. But God isn't satisfied to leave us without his life. Without that divine life. He isn't satisfied to leave us in a place where we don't experience the zoe of God, the life of God. Within our lives. So by the power of Jesus, you've been brought from spiritual death to spiritual life. Before Jesus saved you, you had no zoe. You had biological life, but no life in God. You didn't have life that is eternal. Life that brings you into fellowship with God. Because sin has separated us from the life of God. 
And we all experience and we all feel the reality of this disconnect from God's divine life or from his Zoe. We all experience this in our world and in our lives. People recognize that something's not right with the world. We look at the injustices happening within society and our hearts break. We know that something isn't right with this world. Innocent people suffer. Hatred uh, within society. Children don't have homes to live in. We all recognize that something, something's not right with this world. Something's gone wrong. And, and no matter how hard we try to fix the problems of our world, whether it be hunger or hatred or whatever it is, no matter how hard we try to fix this world, we can't seem to fix the problems of society. Have you ever played that game at, at, the, at the carnival or the fair or the arcade called Whack-A-Mole? How many of you remember playing Whack-A-Mole before? It's where you use this mallet and you try to whack these heads down, but as soon as you whack one down, another pops up. Us trying to solve society's problems is a lot like playing a game of Whack-A-Mole. As soon as we solve one problem... There's another problem. Everyone recognizes that something is not right with the world. And most people recognize that there's something that's not quite right with me. Just ask my wife. She says there's, not, there's something that's not quite right with that guy. And if you get to know me long enough, you'll say the same thing. There's something that's not quite right with that guy. No, there's, there's something that is not right with self. And, and if we're honest and if we look inside of ourselves, we realize that, that something's gone wrong inside of us. So we see that there are problems within our world, within our community, and then we see that there are problems inside of us. We don't think, we don't speak or behave in God-honoring ways. As soon as I master a bad habit or a sinful vice, another one pops up. Have you ever wondered why there are so many self-help books? There are so many self-help books because we recognize that there is something wrong with ourselves. And so countless books have been written because people know that there is something wrong. There are deficiencies within themselves. So they get these books and they try to fix the problems personal problems that they're experiencing in life. But again, that's like a game of whack-a-mole. As soon as I fix one problem in my life, I realize that there are other problems in my life. The Bible says this is because we're sinners. And because we have sinned, there are all sorts of and many different self-deficiencies within our lives. There are vices that, that take hold of us. And no matter how hard we try to solve the problems and the difficulties and the hardships of this world, more and more just keep popping up. Some people, they, they, they fail to admit their own personal sin. 
Um, some people don't recognize that they have sin within them. And um, those who fail to admit their own personal sin are, I think they're just like those old nasty self-righteous types that we read about in the, in the New Testament. Most recognize that something's not right with self. Not only in my own moral deficiencies, but then, but then my body starts to fail. Anybody recognize that yet? I remember I was out canvassing last summer, trying to get the word out about an event we had at the church. And I remember my daughter, she was just so fast and I was so slow. What is going on? So we recognize that there are problems, problems in our world, problems with our own character. And then our body begins to wear out. And we're not as fast as we once were. The problems we face in our world and in our own lives are a result of our broken relationship with God. When sin entered our world, we became a people who need the life of God, the Zoe of God, living within us again. God was not satisfied to leave us here without His life. And the means God uses to restore us back into a right relationship with God is through Jesus. Jesus is the one who gives us life eternal. Jesus is the one who has caused us to be risen indeed. Not only is Christ raised, but you are raised from spiritual death to spiritual life. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Can you guess what that word life is in the Greek? Zoe. Eternal life. And then he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Church, God sent his only son into the world so that we would have life in him so that we would have zoe in him not just physical life but spiritual life eternal life life in the fullest way possible so the question is have you received this life this gift into your life? Have you come to admit that you do not have life apart from Jesus and that it's only in and through Jesus that you can receive eternal life? How does this happen? Well, the Bible gives us the answer. And I'd not be a very good pastor, I'd be a very poor pastor, if I didn't constantly remind you of the importance of the Bible. We believe that the Bible is the Word of God. And that through the Bible, uh, Christ is revealed to us. 
Apart from the scriptures, we would not know Jesus and we would not know the gift of life that he offers to us today. I've talked with people and they said, when I started reading the Bible every day, that's when I really began to feel close to God. That's because the scriptures are a supernatural book. They are God's word. They impart the life of Christ to us. So how do we experience this life? We have to go straight to God's word. To God's voice. To what God says. And the Bible reveals to us a couple of things about how we receive this life. Some people look at the Bible as a book of rules. And certainly there are good commandments in the Bible. A lot of good commandments in the Bible. But the Bible not only reveals his will in his commandments, but he also reveals to us The Bible reveals to us Jesus. God reveals Jesus to us through the scriptures. And the Bible reveals that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And the basic message of the Bible is two things. And you really see this throughout the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. As you read about the the patriarchs, as you read about the nation of Israel, and as you come to the New Testament and hear what Jesus has to preach. And as you read throughout the New Testament, the messages of the apostles and the letters that they wrote to the churches, the message of the Bible is this, repent. Turn back to me. I love you. And I call you back to myself to live in a relationship with me. So the, the basic message of the Bible is repent of sin and trust in Jesus. Trust in what he has done. So number one, repent of sin. One time while hiking up in the mountains, this has happened more than once, one time while hiking up in the mountains, I, I thought that I was on the right trail. And then soon me and my friend, we came to a cliff. And we realized we were not on the right trail. So we realized we were going the wrong way, so we had to do a U-turn. And get back on the right path. One time we, we hiked so far, me and my family, I feel so bad. I didn't realize I was on the wrong path. And we hiked a long way in the wrong direction. <laughs> It was not a fun day. (laughs) To repent is to do a U-turn. To realize I'm not on the right trail. I'm not on the right path. I'm not on the right road. And then to realize I have to do that U-turn. And turn towards Christ and his life. To get on the correct trail. This is one of the primary works of the Holy Spirit. He does this through the Word of God, through the Bible. God says, you're on the wrong path. Do a U-turn 
So the Holy Spirit of God graciously causes us to see our sin and then to cause us to turn and to go in the right direction. To come to that realization, to feel it in our hearts that I'm on the wrong path. And if I stay on this path, it leads only to destruction. So this is how the Holy Spirit works. But then you would think that, that, uh, that God would then want us to do a bunch of, of rules, to, to fulfill a bunch of demands in order for us to experience salvation. You would think that repentance would then lead us to trying to work out our own salvation through our own strength. But he causes us to do this U-turn, to realize that we're on the wrong path and to turn, not so that we can do good works to earn God's forgiveness, to earn his love, to earn his favor, but rather to do a U-turn so that we no longer trust in ourselves, but so that we trust in Jesus and what he has accomplished for us in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. When we do that U-turn, when we repent, we come to believe and to understand that it's only in Jesus that we have salvation. And that it's by grace, through faith. It's pure gift. Pure gift. So many people are trying to fix their own problems. They buy all these books. They read all these articles. They're trying to fix their life. And Jesus is saying, here I am. Come to me. Trust in me. And I will give you life. Life that is everlasting. And this is why we're here, church. We're here not to put on a show for God to impress God with what we're doing here we're here for one purpose and that is to hear the basic reality that Jesus loves you that he died upon the cross for you and that he rose again from death for you so that you can be a person who possesses this zoe And then when the Zoe of God, the life of God, enters into our lives through the truth of the gospel, then we're risen. We're risen to live a new life. A new life in which we can begin to live as people who do good works. We don't discount good works. We say, yeah, we got to do good works. But not because we're trying to impress God, simply because of what God has done in our lives and because we desire for other people to experience that life too. So we can begin to do good for our neighbor. We, we can also experience a transformation in our own personal lives. We're given a grace to experience victory over our own sinful thoughts, words, and deeds. So the life of God which enters into your heart is a transformational thing. It transforms you. So that you look less like the sinful world and so that you look more like Jesus. 
So you think less like our sinful world and, and think more like Christ. So that you behave less and less like this world and you behave more and more as Christ behaves for the blessing and the benefit of our neighbor. This is the full life. This is the abundant life. To receive the gift of Jesus today. To say, yes, Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner. Have you come to that point in your life? Have you come to say and to admit that I'm a sinner? To say, Lord, I believe that you died upon the cross to take away my sin. Have you come to that place in your life where you trust in what Christ has done for you upon the cross? And then to say, Lord, I believe that you rose again to give me the gift of everlasting life. Has the Holy Spirit brought you to that place where you believe that Christ is risen for you? If you believe, you have the life of God within you, it's already at work. It's doing its thing. It's making you alive. It's transforming you. And to that we give thanks and praise to God. Can we pray together as a church? Heavenly Father, I thank you that we are gathered here in this place. Through the gospel, you call us. You gather us. You enlighten us. You do this good work of, of transforming us. We thank you for this. And we thank you that it's through this good work that we then can go into this community to our neighbors to serve them, to share with them, and to be a blessing. So as we go uh, from this place today on this Easter Sunday, may we go with the life of Christ in us and flowing out of us so that the world may know who you are and what you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.